Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. everyone and welcome to episode 558 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, my co-host Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good, Todd. So I like the big numbering on the show, but I wonder sometimes if that big numbering scares people off. It could. It could. Do we need to marvel it again, Joe? Have Start with a number one, then we can go back to our legacy numbers? When we need to, and just like no. just throw a whole monkey wrench into it again. No. So, uh, what I was thinking was, just as we start recording here, mm-hmm. is maybe revisit it when we get to ish- episode six hundred. We could do that. We could do that. Let's get to six hundred and see how we feel about it. That sounds like a plan. Yeah. If I'm not busy starring in DC creators tweets out of germany (laughs) i'll do it with you so i don't know if you listener at home saw this the other day our friend dj tweeted out this thing from some german dc blog Mm -hmm. them promoting an interview with francis manipool and the picture that they showed was a very it was not like a clandestine photo of francis manipool like he posed for the picture very obviously but in the background is friend of the show, DC Comics artist, and the definitive LeBron James comic book artist. I believe so, yes. But definitely uh, the definitive Colonel Sanders artist. Definitive Colonel Sanders, def- possibly definitive LeBron James uh, artist of the Space Jam tie-in comic book Tom Durenick, but much more clearly in the picture, almost as clearly as Francis Manipul in the picture, is Todd. <laughs> I don't know. I look a little blurry in that picture, though, because I was moving fast on the con floor. Oh, know? yeah. <laughs> and Francis Manipul was moving like a slow block of ice. Yep, yep, yep. So, But D- our, our good buddy DJ tweets it out, and I'm like, why in the world is like DJ's like, I'm just tweeting this for no reason at all. And I'm like, why is he tweeting a German tweet out of a DC blog with Francis man? I'm like, I don't understand this. I'll look at it later. Then I look back and I'm like, Oh, (laughs) okay. Makes sense now. So I guess my question is, does DJ follow that blog? That's the whole world. of stuff that I was under the, I'm like, did this just like how does he find a picture of me on a like German? I don't know. Did and, somebody... and so even further still, it's a tweet from like four months ago, right? Like this is <laughs> this needs to be explained. And is that from Baltimore? Maybe that looks like that was uh, it has to be New York because Baltimore does not have pa- badges like that for creators. Gotcha. They're like the they're like the, the that hook on their rectangular at Baltimore. They're more like, uh, you know, the little plastic things that you if you're going to give somebody a name tag and pin it to their shirt and then you would put the pre-made thing and slide it in the plastic. That's what Baltimore has. Breaking down passes for different cons here. That's the new thing on the show. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that's New York in the old days. I, I would have to say that was. A picture from like the night from uh, like because they were talking about New Fifty Two, 
Um, I, I don't know how long ago that was because I don't think Artist Alley was is still in where that picture was taken. Right. So. So that's enough about tweets of pictures of you from four months ago that are many years old. Right. What do we got on the show today? Uh, we have uh, news about the Marvel Superstar Shakeup. Uh, also, uh, what defines a first appearance? Could it be a cover or what? We'll we'll see. Um, also, the return of the Rob Watch, and I would actually have to say a bloated edition of the the Rob Watch. Um, also, uh, sales books, digital sales. What we read last week, which was Immortal Hulk forty seven. The Invincible Red Sonia, number two, and also a new book, The Nice House on the Lake, number one. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues with uh, Jonah Hex and uh, the Clone Saga. Well, uh, also, at the end, we will have spoiler-filled talk of Legends of Tomorrow and the fate of a TV show, possibly. Mm, of course. Uh, that will forever change possibly the TV talk segment of the show. And I'll throw this up front here. I need to remind myself to correct the notes so that you don't keep stumbling over that part with the digital books. Yep. I'm such, I'm such a cluster. And also, uh, as I say, the nice house on the lake might be a very spoiler filled review, Joe. Yes. That was the other thing I was going to say. There will be timestamps in the show notes. As to uh, where we will be discussing Nice House uh, on the lake. Not too clunky of an intro, but here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. So, big news. We've been waiting on it for months and months and months. When Donny Cates announced that he was no longer going to be doing the Venom book. And then that book, his last issue ends up being super duper late. Uh, I think it finally comes out next week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And everyone was wondering what Donny Cates' next project is going to be. And also, as we have discussed here on the show, that we are ever approaching the end of Al Ewing's run on Immortal Hulk. One of the best runs uh, from any company, by any creator, I would say, in many recent years. I concur. And it was revealed just this past week that, as Todd mentioned, it is the superstar shakeup of comic creators as writers, at least. Donny Cates and Al Ewing are switching books, essentially. Not really, but yes. Uh, Donny Cates is going to be taking over Hulk with Ryan Otley. And this was interesting that Al Ewing with Ram V uh, co-writing, I guess, and artist Brian Hitch are going to be taking over Venom. Right. So, again, interesting because um, I think Donnie, or um, Al Ewing has a co-writer type on the Gamma Flight book, the miniseries there. Right. Um, and you, you see that happening a lot more often. And I know we kind of joke going all the way back to the Bendis, uh, Jonathan Hickman, Secret Warriors thing. Um, as I don't feel as this is going to be, I'm just putting my name on it to give my friend the rub. Right. So I wonder how that project of these two, Ram V and Al Ewing, came together. But, uh, you know, I like both these creators. I've been reading these books. 
So it's going to be no change in my poll list come November when this switch happens. Same here. I was thinking, yeah, this is too big, you know, jumps around that I'm, but I'm completely fine with it. And uh, I will be picking them up. I won't have to change anything. I'll just have to see, you know, if it is just a, a smooth transition without any delays. But other than that, I'm all in, and I'm proud of myself for not calling it the uh, Marvel Key Party, too. I went with the oh uh, Superstar Shake-Up. Uh, so the uh, thing that I saw a lot of people talking about online, and obviously this was through, you know, no fault of whatever it is being its own, is, so of course, from when King and Black ended to when the last issue of Venom is coming out that Donny Cates is doing, um, and then there's going to be no new Venom book per se for something like five months. Mm-hmm. Whereas Immortal Hulk, I think, is ending what would be like October. And then Donny Cates picks up the new storyline right there. And people were lamenting that like, well, it's not really fair, you know, because obviously if you're comparing the two runs... Donny Cates' Venom run, Al Ewing's Hulk run, both very good runs, very different runs. But the fact that the the space between Al Ewing taking over Venom and Donny Cates taking over Hulk is so different, it's not giving, like, the Immortal Hulk-like room, that run room to breathe and kind of uh, uh, resonate with its crowd before, like, here comes the new creative team. Where whatever your feelings in comparison of the Venom run is, that Venom run gets wrapped up next week, and then we don't see this this iteration of Venom for another five months. Well, how long was it before Donny Cates took over on Thor after Jason Aaron left? Well, so, so see, that's the thing. Typically, it just goes seamlessly from one to the next. Right. But what but, I'm saying is, if anybody can do it, it's Donny Cates. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I would agree with you as well. Right. Um, I, I just saw that was the only discourse of any sort of negativity that I saw online regarding this. And I wonder if there's a part of also Al Ewing has, you know, it seems that he has a bunch of irons in the fire too, like we said, and then he has his own like creator own stuff. But I wonder if it's also a marketing thing to go. We do. We don't want them competing. Because it's so like we will start one because they're ready to go and then we'll go to the other one. So it's not like not only are we comparing the previous writer to the to the new writer to the previous writer, but now it's at the same time and they've pretty much like swapped. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so much comparing at that point. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of, I don't know, competition or whatever. I don't know. I'm just overthinking it as I yeah, used to do. Uh, of course. We all overthink things. That's what this part of the show is about, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that we could really get into the weeds on if we wanted to was um, a second printing of Black Widow number six is seeing a huge movement on the secondary market. Mm-hmm. Why? Uh, because the one in 25 variant of a second printing has the rough drafts for a new unnamed character that is going to be debuting in the Black Widow series soon. Right. And that's technically their first appearance and first in rookie appearances go for a lot. Mm -hmm. And people are banking on this character maybe being in the Black Widow movie that comes out next month. 
or we don't even know what this character's name is. Or we don't even know if this is what the character's going to look like when the character debuts in the book, whenever that's going to be. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in on top, like, not only it's, you know, not a widely printed thing because it's a second print, but then it's a one in, twi- one in 25, you know, variant. How many yeah. retailers are going to have that? That book is going to go through the stratosphere. Okay. And, but go ahead. So that book is going to go through the stratosphere, yes. But it's going to have a steep plummet in about four weeks and a day, right? What, when she's not in the movie? If she's not in the movie, or her appearance in the, in the book ends up being a bust, or mm-hmm. she ends up not being in the book at all. Like, there's just a thing that we had, or like, oh, we just threw it out there. Like, we have no, um, we don't even know what this character's name is. Mm-hmm. So this is speculation at its purest. Right, but what if it all comes together, John? That's why they call it speculation. Right, I but I call it comic... I, I, see, I, I don't even consider myself a comic collector. I consider myself a comic reader. Mm-hmm. You know, and we, we've talked before, both on mic and off, that we're not really speculators. We're not really guys that go and get things graded like this. But they're like we're not opposed to grading at its basis level. You know, I know Todd has mentioned that he's got like first appearance of Captain Cold. Mm-hmm. That's great. He has it graded. If you have like mm-hmm. an older key issue, mm-hmm. go get it graded. You're not gonna read you're not gonna sit there and read it every day of your life, right? And the other thing was that issue was bot graded. Yeah. So it was like, ah, I'm at a show. I don't need help. When I'm buying a big, you know, expensive book, I used to have like a retailer would be at, at a lot of shows. He doesn't do as many of them now. And he'd be like, I'm going to buy this big book. Stand over my shoulder. <laughs> you know what I mean? And nudge me if I'm doing something stupid. But that's why I believe in like old, like graded books. That's fine. But. Right. But I think something like this is going to be one of those things that maybe like this book could be the thing that starts to deflate the speculator market a bit. Nope, this is going to this is just going to add gas. You think so? Yeah, there's no deflating in the in the speculator market for the the bottom is going to have to fall out with everything that's going on and various companies rebranding and all this stuff in the news. It's still a, a market where everybody's vying for jockeying for position to be that 10th best comic company. And I don't care what anybody says, they feed into that aspect of collecting. And as long as the people are there and they're still there now, I see them coming to the shop all the time. That's not going away until, like I said, the bottom completely falls out of it. Well, maybe this is just me be wishful thinking that this will cause the bottom to fall out, you know? Right. But we'll see. I hope you're right and I'm wrong. But mm-hmm. you just sound you just sound much more confident than I do. Oh, I'm very confident that we're we're still not even close. Right. We're I, need, but we're I could see I'm I'm just looking at this book that's a like it's a it's a one in twenty-five variant of a second printing of an unnamed character that people are willing to bet on, and there's too many unknown variables in this. And if you're gonna wrap this up into a character that hasn't debuted yet. 
and a character that we were banking on, it might be her first appearance. Or it just might even be, like, what if this ends up just being a reskin of a, of an old character? And it's not a new character, and it's not someone's first appearance, right? Right. So those people that are now today buying it for 50, 60 bucks a clip, a month from now, this book ain't going to be worth four bucks. Mm-hmm. So well, let me ask let me ask you a question, Joe. Yeah. Now, because this is a one in twenty five variant, how many people are going to get burned on this cover? This this under ordered second print of a variant. You know what I mean? Of okay, one in twenty five. Okay, I see where you're coming from, but so, but now when the bubble blew up the last time, it was because people were sitting on tons and tons of copies of X Force One and X Men One. That's when you burn everybody. That's when it happens. When it's like, oh, those fools, they missed out. I would have never fell for that. So I, you get what I'm trying to say. See, I don't now. See that thing. Maybe it's because you and I don't fall for any of this. So let me maybe uh, I'd like for this to be the one, but you make a good point of like there's not going to be that many of these um, just because of the numbers that you mentioned. But the next time that they try to do this and it's not a second print and it's not a one in 25 variant and it's them doing this speculative thing. It's like, oh, here's a new character. Maybe they're going to be a big deal. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. And then there's, it's not a second print, and it's not a one in twenty five variant. It's a one in four, let's say, or a one in ten, even, right? Right. And now it's like maybe like on a number one. So now it's like, like, it's. I think when someone tries to replicate this, right, we could see it happen. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but I think it has to be something. Like when it ramps up to something being so huge that you can just get everybody. Yeah. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. Speaking of getting everyone, Todd. (laughs) Yeah. You said at the top of the show it's a bloated edition of the Rob Watch. I'd like to say it's a double dose of the Rob watch. It's the old one, two punch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was announced this week um, that the last issue of the Rob snake eyes book uh, will be coming out the first week of July, uh, putting it at only uh, eight months late from its original solicitation date. And it's going to have a variant cover drawn by Larry Hama uh, with the Rob inking over it. And this is the book that we talked before where every page is going to be inked by someone different. Um, Neil Adams, Jerry Ordway, Weiss Protasio, Carl Kessel, Art the Bear, Art the Bear, excuse me, uh, Philip Tan, Dan Pazoan, Dan Frega, uh, Ed Piscor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, down the line, right? Mm-hmm. So this was announced initially that this is how it was going to happen three months ago so that this book could come out at the end of April. Um, And in the press release, the Rob himself says, I never dreamed the snake eyes finale would go out in such style, jamming alongside some of the greatest, most celebrated artists and creators in the history of comic books. It's been a dream come true collaborating with my favorite artists in the business past and present. The fans are in for something really special. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think this book's coming out July 7th. 
What? How dare you doubt the Rob's word? Yeah. Joe, he used ex- he used exclamation points in most of those sentences. Is he that, did. He did. Th- does that sound like someone who's telling tales out of school, Joe? Well, I'm not going to doubt the Rob's enthusiasm, okay? <laughs> right. Extra energy. Got it. Extra energy. But I am uh, going to just say there's more and more things being added on this to help Rob make this deadline. Mm-hmm. And him inking a cover doesn't seem like a thing that's going to speed this book up. I think it will. I mean, that will get him in the mood to do more arts, Joe. I say we just hold it off until November and go a full year on that last issue, right? Sure. And it's not like the Rob's not busy because the Rob is currently running a contest. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not something that we typically do on the show. Uh, but this is not authorized, but I'm going to turn things over to the Rob so he can explain this to you. <laughs> hey, you guys, we are finally doing an Instagram contest. I've been wanting to do an Instagram contest for forever, and I figured, why not give away the comics on my spinner rack? And, and that is what we are going to do. And I'm going to explain to you exactly how we are going to do this because this is going to be so much fun, you guys. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited to give you all the comments on my spinner rack. Now, here's the deal. Some of you have been asking. No, not this spinner rack. This is straight up my childhood. No, you are not getting any of my childhood. That is completely out of the question. But comics, I've done all of these variants over the last five, six years. So here's how it's going to work. Instagram is not a part of this contest. That will be posted every day starting on Monday. Oh, we're breaking up. Hang on. Mm-hmm. The deal was too good, you. Joe. I blame you. You are going to get one thing. So the Rob was having some difficulties with his spinner rack, and he's not wearing any shoes. I'll just throw that out there. Okay. Listen, 10 comics. There's four sides. We're doing it Monday. We're doing it Tuesday. We're doing it when he's having trouble turning the spinner rack. And the other spinner rack was like all of his old classic comics. Yes, yes. Wednesday, we're going to show you each of these sides, and you are going to see what's on the spinner rack. We, you're going to have a comment. Uh, it's going to need a, a like, a comment. And a follow. It's that simple. And then we'll choose a random winner, and you will win on Monday. Someone will win this side. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Somebody's getting all of it. Friday is the mother. If you missed out, we're giving all of these comics. Whatever is here, I will film. Something like, but life of the conditions. I'm not giving you these. I will match what's on here. I have these. I have quantities. So I know some of you are upset about the condition of the comics. Don't be. These are just for viewing. And kids, when we were kids and pulled them off the spinner racks, they didn't come with bags and boards. That's why there's still bags and boards. But anyway, get ready for the mother of all Instagram contests. All the details will be posted Monday underneath when we start this going. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you get the whole thing. The winner will be will be posted the day after. Monday's winner will be told Tuesday. Tuesday's Wednesday. Wednesday's Thursday, Thursday, Friday. And the big mother load will be announced this weekend. You guys, 
This is going to be a blast. I'm so excited to give you my comments. It's free. Even if you, there's a comment you don't like here. It's free. It's free. Hang on, guys. It's going to be fun. So the Rob is giving away a bunch of his signed variants. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you can tell, clear as mud with that explanation as to how you can do that. Right, right. Um, the only takeaway I have from all that are there's two of them. One is I don't want any of those comics. And two, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to think anymore because the Rob is on the bags and board train. Right. <laughs> And the bags and backer train. So my whole world is upside down right now, Joe. But he seemed uh he seemed happy. Right. He seemed excitable in regards to uh His what message. was going on. Yes. So I'm sure running this contest and picking the Instagram things and mailing out the comics and getting everything signed, I'm sure he's already got that all ready to go, right? Right. I'm sure there'll be no problems like with any of his past endeavors. Right. Mm, and I like the way he's in partnership with uh, Instagram. Oh, no, no he's I, not. He's not in not. partnership. You don't want to be in partnership sometimes. Or you got to make it very clear of what the <laughs> limits of your partnership is. That's right. That's right. He's just letting us know about Instagram. Right, right. Instagram <laughs> is a thing. It's a tool that I'm using to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof. Go, Rob. So, Todd... Mm-hmm. This weekend is Steel City Comic Con in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Right. And Todd, it feels good to see Comic Cons back. Yes. Uh, there's a lot of folks uh, that are going to be here. Uh, not a ton of comic book folks, as far as I can see. A uh, lot of your, cele- like, uh, William Shatner's going to be there. Oh, the Shat. Uh, John Lovitz is going to be there. Oh. Mickey Dolenz is going to be there. What? It's one of my top four monkeys. At the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give you my list someday, but go ahead. Non-canceled actor from Better Off Dead, Curtis Armstrong, will be there. Okay. Uh, Donald Gibb will be there. Oh, nerds! Right. Uh, current AEW women's champion and Pittsburgh native Britt Baker will be there. Right. And in what appears to be a possible MASH reunion, (laughs) Loretta Swit is going to be there. Jeff Maxwell is going to be there. Right. And Jamie Farr is going to be there. Isn't James Maxwell Igor? Uh, Jeff Maxwell? Or do you, uh, Jeff, did you say Jeff Maxwell? I said Jeff Maxwell. Okay. I'm confused who that is. He, it looks like he was a chef from MASH. Uh, okay. I don't know. The, the I'm picture look- they have of him, like his publicity thing is. Oh, him that's dressed. Igor. I just what? looked it up. It's Igor. That was his character's name on the show. Oh, okay. When you said Igor, I wasn't thinking Igor from MASH. I was thinking, like, Igor from, you know, like, Frankenstein oh. or something. Right, right. From But, no, that was that was his name on the, the show. Yeah, so listen, we got conventions coming up. Like, convention season has, I guess, officially begun. 
Um, and we're not going to do it like we used to do. We'll run through the whole list of things only because I don't think there's going to be like dozens of them every weekend. Mm -hmm. Uh, but as they appear, we'll do our best to let you know of them. And if you're heading out to some of those conventions or maybe, uh, a famous comic book artist and inker is going to be in your comic book area sometime in July. And, you know, we'll remind you to go. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you think Mantis is going to that mash reunion? You know, I don't know. That's a, that's a hike for Mantis. Yeah, give him the Iggy and let him know. Yeah. He likes leaving the house less than I like leaving the house. <laughs> okay. It's tough to drive with that mask on. Well, listen. In, in the Mantis mobile. <laughs> <sighs> I don't know what you, I, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I don't either. We're, we're just going to move on. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Soon to be named network, uh, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. All of the shows in the soon to be named network, whenever they come out, you could find them there, whether it be this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, or anytime any of those folks appear on other shows, or I'm vigilant enough. Uh, on 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 social media to see that they're on other shows, I could tweet them out, and I would be remiss. Uh, also, I need to update my list here as well. Wings on Wings, of course, every Tuesday that comes out, and Porch Talk, which is on its own special schedule. It can come out whenever it wants. That's weather permitting. You don't want to be out there to talking on the porch in ninety nine degree heat with one hundred percent humidity. Right. So that's and then gale force winds. It doesn't sound good, Joe. It no, it definitely does not. Right. So. Uh, so be sure to check out also some of our talented friends that are out there, uh, Kevin Hellions, over at his website, Mass Library, a lot of the blogs and vlogs and reviews that he does there, uh, Rick Williams, The Chop Shop at FreeKarateChops.StoreEnvy.com, all the cool resin and glow-in-the-dark sci-fi fantasy stuff that he does, uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter and Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, both of those are available on Comixology. Uh, our friend Becky does a lot of art. She's been doing a lot of her process lately mm -hmm. on Twitter and then putting the finished process up, uh, the project up on Instagram, which flies in the face of everything that I believe. Uh, and I feel weird about retweeting her own stuff and tagging Todd's art attack in there. But go follow her on any of those social media platforms. And, of course, our local comic book shop. An artiste unto himself because no one does a better mail order subscription service than he and his crew. If you do not have a comic book shop in your area or you do not have a good comic book shop in your area, go check out Dave and the gang at Comic in the Green. Their social media is linked up in the show notes of every one of these episodes as well. Mm -hmm. uh, digital sales this week. There's a bunch. Uh, it was like end of the month, beginning of the month. So a little holdover from last time, which is just the Archie line-wide sale. We're hitting a whole bunch of new stuff here. Uh, Nick Spencer's Amazing Spider-Man is on sale. Uh, Jeff Lemire's Stuff at Image is on sale. Uh, Marvel is having a sale on low-key related stuff because the TV show starts this week. Valiant is doing a sale on the deluxe editions of books that they would do. It's kind of like director cut versions of books. Right. Um, so those are on sale. Um, Dynamite is having a sale on both their Vampirella and their horror stuff. You would think that those two things would cross over. They do not. Um, DC, IDW, and Oni Press are doing Pride Month-related sales. 
Um, and again, I doff my John Cena cap at the folks at DC for doing it this way. So that gives them a month of not having to pull, you know, a new set of uh, sales every week, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so all of that, like I said, we, if you're a digital person looking for some digital stuff, you just spend a couple bucks. And I've seen some folks saying, uh, you know, Comixology stuff, Comixology Unlimited. If you want to take a test on some stuff, always check this stuff out. Uh, like I said, I do my best to keep track of and let you know some notable stuff to check out from those sales. Right. Uh, so now let's get into what we read from this past week. Uh, where would you, Todd, like to begin? I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was Invincible Red Sonia, number two, written by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, uh, art by Moritat. Um, where we last left Red Sonia was she was working for a princess who was betrothed to be married to, you know, a fellow, like another uh, prince. So she's like, oh, I have to protect you because there were people out to get her. Um, and during this, we find out that there's a crown that is made for each, you know, marriage. They had a gem and it's really expensive. And this wizard is watching it. And his, it's his, his job and he's teaching his son, like, the, the rules of, like, what it is to, to do this. And the kid's kind of eyeing it up. Um, and while this is going on, someone appears to take a shot at uh, Red Sonia, or uh, at the princess. But it's actually Red Sonia because we find out that she's been in this town before. And uh, so she has dealings with somebody in the past that didn't go well. So most likely the hit is out on her. So like the king is like, well, I need you to, to keep watch still and all this stuff. But basically it's just a fun sword and sandals romp, as you put, even though I, I always say sword and sorcery. A more straightforward tale of like Red Sonya getting into things. And there's something that happens at the end that, uh, that Red Sonya's like, well, I'm interested in this because there's a boatload of money involved now. Um, and her teaching the princess the way of life because she's so sheltered. I'm having a blast with this the same way that I had a blast in different ways with Gail Simone's Red Sonia and, you know, Jimmy Palmiotti's Jonah Hanks. It's a nice mix of I like those two kinds of stories, and this is perfect. And Mortat, I think, is getting better and better, like, on art, like, every panel till we get, like, a full-page splash of her defeating a creature, and she comes out, like, covered in, like, the ichor, but she's still, you know, looking like Red Sony, if you get my meaning. Um, so I, re- I really, really enjoy it. The only thing that I'm upset about is that I know for a fact that Moritat does all his art on typing paper, so that, like, bugs me, because this should be 11 by 17, and then in my collection. <laughs> Well, has he been announced for uh, Terrificon yet? I know you were angling to try to convince him to go. No, I didn't. Well, that's more of whether the guy will bring him in kind of a deal, because I know Moritat's a West Coast guy. Gotcha. So it's the same way it is with, like, Jimmy Palmiotti. Obviously, Jimmy Palmiotti's stumping and Amanda for the con. So I'm thinking, you know, they bring them in. And there's other people who buy a table. So I'm trying to angle to get him to... to to fly more tat in that's what i want do you need me to like start like a social media campaign like put together one of my handy dandy hashtags that work so well yes if you could work on a more tat hashtag that'd be great fly more tat in from the (laughs) west coast to terrific con so todd could meet all the creators of his favorite run on jonah hacks right there you go hashtag right all right, we're, I'm going to workshop it with the crew. But no, I'm, I'm with you. I like this a lot. 
Um, Jimmy and Amanda have a certain feel, a certain familiarity when they write their stuff. Um, it definitely feels very much like them, especially when they're writing a character that they have an affinity for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they work very well when it comes to writing a female character. I was going to say, I think, you know, actually having a female perspective helps out a lot too. You yes. know what I mean? Like, and I, honest to God, that's why I th- think like Gail's run might've been so good. Cause she brought a different perspective because everybody and with uh, Amanda on this one, cause everybody just goes, I'm going to write Conan, Conan with long red hair. You know what I mean? And yes. th- that is to a point, the extent of this, they're the same characters, but I like her giving the princess advice that Conan would never give. You know what I mean? Like about her wedding night. I'm like, this is a blast. And you mentioned about Moritat and his art going a little bit more cheesecakey than what we're used to seeing him in our reread of Jonah Hex. And I do think that he's definitely having fun, especially with some of the layouts. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a couple parts where Red Sony and the princess were talking in the bubble bath and the word balloons were strategically placed in their conversation. Yes, I get it. Yep. But it wasn't done in a way that was so obvious that it was distracting from the story or the conversation or anything else like that. It was just like, oh, it was just like a little like, oh, that's clever sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but this is a really good book. I know it's just a mini series. I know they're on, only on it for a little bit. And uh, it's a dynamite book, so it's got dozens of covers. So, you know, go wild, but don't go yeah. too wild. That's right. Get the second print variant with the first appearance of a new Red Zone. Oh, my goodness. Don't do that. And as the appearance of the new crown that has the extra gem in it for this wedding, that's symbol. Anyway. No, I think they're stones, Joe. Oh, my goodness. In in the crown. I'm okay with stones being in the crown, but not in the gauntlet. Uh, So uh, next up, we have Immortal Hulk number 47. We talked about Hulk before, written by Al Ewing, art by Joe Bennett. At its core, this is a story that we've seen dozens of times before. It's the Avengers fighting the Hulk, a rampaging Hulk. Mm-hmm. But it's a very different fight uh, because this is, I would definitely say a smarter Hulk, but definitely a more um, cunning Hulk that he knows and remembers what the Avengers have done to him in the past. Like it feels as though he's got like all the memories of the previous battles. Cause he knows how they're all going to react. Right. I kind of gather, isn't Joe fix it driving at this point. Right. And Joe fixes is the cunning one who didn't have, never had the strength. And now Joe fix it has the, uh, you know, the upper levels that he had, that he never had before and the info and the cunning. It's an interesting combination. Right. So, as as big as a deal as this is, the Hulk versus the Avengers, it's almost as though this is maybe secondary or at least third airy to the cl- the big reveal at the end of the issue. Mm-hmm. But then we get Gamma Flight and the other Gamma irradiated folks that show up that are like, no, 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 Avengers, you really need to go because like we can handle this. The longer the Hulk stays here, the worse it's going to be for you, and it is worse for them. But we also get She-Hulk, Jennifer Walters, is almost like the narrator of the story. Mm-hmm. As she's torn between her loyalties to the Avengers and the loyalty to her cousin. Yep. 
Um, we get the bit in here. If you've been reading along with uh, Cap recognizing Rick Jones amongst the gamma irradiated folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, we get a lot of cool, very nicely drawn battle stuff. And, you know, I, I don't feel we should give away what happens at the end of this issue. But, you know, it's very tried and true of what you would see in a Hulk book when it comes to uh, certain characters. Yep. Yep. I just want to around that one a little bit. I don't know. I thought point. that was kind of a, like a, they, they were playing it off like a big deal. So I'll, I'll play along and play it like a big deal. Right. Well, I'll move us away from that and just go uh, to this, that this issue might have my favorite way to incapacitate Thor for a while that I've ever seen where yeah. he ends up hitting his hammer on Hulk's hand and just destroys it. So it's just this gooey mess and then it's like, oh, um, I regenerate really fast. And he does something that I think, you know, there's been a lot of gross stuff in this book, Joe. But to put someone's head inside someone else's arm, um, I watched that whole thing like, he needs to breathe, Joe. He needs to breathe. <laughs> it was, it was, and even like the sloppy, like, tendrils hanging off the arm before it happens. I'm like, oh, my God. Like between Al Ewing and Bennett, like the two of them, like they are, they they are some twisted people, Joe. Twisted, twisted people. But I think this was my favorite issue in not a long while, but the recent, like because it definitely feels like we're coming to the head of issue fifty. You know, it's like we got the team together, we're doing this, blah blah blah, and it's like big. I feel only bigger things are going to happen from here on out. Yeah. So get on board with issue 48 next month. No, this is stuff that's in print forever. You know, go start from the beginning. Uh, Marvel needs to do a better job at getting this. Th- the This run of the Hulk always ends up being one of those weird Monday-only sales. Right. And it's like it comes out on a Monday and it ends on a Monday, so we don't get a chance to talk about it on the show. Right. And... I will do a much more concerted effort if they do it as the Monday sale to like really push it out there on all the social media to say like, Hey man, if you've been sleeping on this book, now's the time to strike Mm -hmm. because you can get it for pennies on the dollar. That's right. Give this, this struggling book, the long box bump. Yeah. Uh, So now we're going to get into discussion of the nice house on the lake. And I'm just going to throw spoiler tags from here on out. It'll be in the show description. Uh, that'll say kind of like to skip from here to here. So you don't get this spoiled. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, written by James Tinney the fourth with art by Alvaro Martinez. Um, so this very much feels like a vertigo book. That's not a Vertigo book because Vertigo doesn't exist anymore. I said that today. I was, or I said that for uh, this weekend when I was talking to Scott. I'm like, this is a Vertigo book that's not a Vertigo book. Buy it. And he ended up picking it up. Yeah. So we get a bit in the beginning where it's, you know, people of a certain age, let's say in their late 20s, early 30s, at a bar, getting along, talking, meeting each other not getting along, you know, not wanting to be there. And uh, there is a girl who is our lead character who strikes up a conversation with a guy down at the end of the bar, Walter. 
and they have a discussion about what they think the end of the world would be like. Mm-hmm. And she kind of paints a picture of how she feels it's going to be. And obviously, I don't know when James Tinian started writing this or what his inspiration for writing this was. But the picture that she paints is kind of, uh, you know, maybe like a little bit too close to the last year and a half of the actual world that's been going on. Right. And I feel that was probably intentional. And uh, then we get the rest of the book and I'll turn things over to you, Todd, from here. Okay. And f- and I'm just going to put a pin in this and I'll get back to it. I do not believe that character is the main character of the story. You don't feel she is? No, I'll get to that in a minute. But basically, this character that she was having the talk with, Walter, who's the most mysterious of the characters, invites them all up. It's like, hey, you know, we haven't gotten together. Uh, We're going to get we're going to come up to this nice house in the lake that my mother's friends letting me use. And we'll get together. We'll have cookouts, blah, blah, blah. It'll be a blast. And uh, he ends up sending them packages, but doesn't tell them who is coming and ends up giving them secret names. Like the main character that you're, that you're saying is uh, Ryan Kane and she's the artist. And she's like, here's your symbol. And it's going to like, you're going to know where your room is from it and everything. And I'm like, okay. So she goes up and then they end up going through each of the characters and giving you a little bio from Walter, like met this character here and this character, so-and-so, and they give them their code name and their symbol and we kind of get to see them play off each other and how they know each other. Some people do. Some people have never met. Blah, blah, blah. We go through. Uh, that's the long and short of it. And then a, no one has any cell service. And then this main, the, 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 the artist, uh, that's her nickname, ends up getting cell service. And she finds out that the world is burning. Um, it's this horrible thing in a two-page splash through media, you know, social media, which is so creepy. As I'm reading, it's like the fires come and like eyeballs are bursting. And one of the worst phrases I've heard in comics this year is Andre Patel's tweet. Don't pop the boils. It just makes it all worse. So they freak out and they're like, we have to leave. And the the artist goes, you, you've made a decision on the end of the world kind of a thing. Cause they had a conversation about it. He's like, yes, my people, I'm not even going to explain it to you. But my people have decided I loved you guys too much. So you guys get to stay here for the end of days and like till the end of your life. And you will be taken care of. There's entertainment. And someone takes a swipe at him. So he obviously has powers because like his head doesn't fall off when it should be taken out by this poker. And he just leaves. He goes, I'm going to come back every once in a while. Enjoy your lives. And I was like blown away by all of that. I've, I've laid a lot on on you for what this book is about. But there's so much going on here. I don't believe that the main character that you think is the is the lead because if you look at the cover of the book, there's he he says somewhere in the book that he invites twelve people up. That twelve people are going to be there. So there's ten things on the cover, and there's ten people in the book. The first symbol on the the cover is lit written in yellow as opposed to the rest in white. And that's the artist's thing. She ends up, you know, narrating the book. I feel each issue is going to be a different narrator, obviously, as we go down the line of the people on the cover. And one of them will be Walter, which doesn't get a symbol. And then in the story, someone goes, oh, you're the artist? I thought that was going to be Reg. Um, he, he w- I thought he'd be here, but I guess you draw too, so you're an artist. And in the notes that Walter gives, I've broken all this down, Joe. When he gives, he's like, oh, here, this person was at this party, and that's how I know them. And he mentions the painter, which is named Reg, 
who this character knows and he doesn't understand why here. So I think he's the 11th and he's going to show up at some point and then we're going to get Walter's deal at in the 12th issue or something like that. So like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here that's absolutely fascinating, but I love this issue. Did anything I say make sense to you, Joe? Yes. So uh, do we know if this is a limited series or is this an ongoing it's a 12-issue maxim maxi series. Okay. And that's on the cover, yes? No, that was in an interview that I found with uh, James Tinney in the fourth. Okay, so that's unfortunately kind of like the sloppiness sometimes at DC, where a lot of these books they don't tell us in advance are going to be like a mini or maxi series. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they put it on the cover and sometimes they don't. Right. Um, I get what you're saying that we're going to get a focus in each issue of each of these characters that we've been introduced to and how they relate to Walter. But I still feel when this book wraps up in 12 issues, this person who started is going to be the one who's going to be ending the book. Okay. Fair enough. But I don't think she'll be the one telling, I think, all right, maybe she'll bookend it, but I, I don't, I think other people will move the story along more than her. I don't know how to explain it, but you Mm -hmm. get what I'm saying. I do. And the surprise guest or whoever he is, Reg, the painter, will show up at some point, whether it's so, issue six or issue 11. Okay, so you mentioned Reg, the painter. Mm-hmm. How is Reg going to show up if the entire world outside of what's going on outside of the lake house is essentially just burning? Where's Reg that he survived this? I don't know. Or maybe he's already there. Or okay. something, or maybe he's involved with Walter. That's going to be the spin on this book of okay. him showing up, because you do not mention like there's the email that he sends to P- to uh, to uh, the artist, mm-hmm. and he basically says that there was going to be 15 of us, but uh, I could only get 12 to come. So I think he's counting himself. And he goes, those other three are going to be really disappointed. Like, of course they are because the world ends. And I'm like, you just don't mention this 12 person. And then in the notes, mention his name and blah, blah, blah. I just think that's too much of a, like, to slide it in slightly and then never have it happen again. I don't know. That's just my weird take on it. These are all predictions I want to see if play out in the 12 issues that we read. Right. And I mentioned it's a DC book. It's not a Vertigo book. It's a Black Label book, mm-hmm. which is kind of their all-encompassing thing. And I'm kind of glad they didn't go for the typical oversized thing that they usually do in a lot of the Black Label stuff. Yep. Um, so that this could be in my regular comic box with the rest of the stuff. And you're talking about, like, the emails and the tweets and the everything else like that. So from a... Um, storytelling standpoint, I like the fact that they are using Facebook and Twitter and Instagram by name instead of creating their own fake versions of it, you know? Well, I don't think they ever actually even use... Uh, they. I know they use Zilla, but I don't think they ever Zillow just say... The, Twi- the, the, right, because they can't find the house on Zillow because where they are at the house... Now, okay, so this is the other thing. So none of them can get internet connection except for the artist. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the reason why it's like, why is she getting internet connection and no one else is? Because she was the one they started the story out with. And they needed it to move the okay. bit along. And now I think we'll see each person meet Walter. 
and have their like oh. maybe not the conversation about the end of the world, but we'll see the interactions. It'll be like here's like they'll start out with a little bit like we the issue starts out with the girl with the world burning. She's like, let me tell you a story, and then it, each person is going to add a piece starting out the book in that same way in front of the statue with all the fire around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just passionate about this book. All of a sudden. Yeah. Listen and getting back to it. So the other thing is, uh, as you, as you talked about how we, um, it's like, Oh, here's the email that Walter sent, or here's like all these people's tweets and stuff. But in the actual story itself, we get the email, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like us reading the email over the character's shoulder or the character narrating the email to us. It's like, we just get a full page of like, this what the email is on this person's computer. This is like someone's Twitter feed across like four or five columns across a two page spread where we're getting to see little snippets and very little visual, but the words that are being told to us kind of are explaining how gruesome what's going on is going on, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I like those little elements that they threw in there. Usually I hate that sort of stuff in a comic book, but here it worked. Mm-hmm. Because this is, this is supposed to be told as more of a real world tale, right? Real yep. names, real places, real locations, real social media, that sort of thing. Right. This is going to make one heck of a 12 part uh, streaming TV show. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So that's another thing, of course. Uh, with this being at DC and it being essentially a creator-owned project, I would assume this isn't probably something that this is probably not something DC had laying around in a drawer somewhere and decided to like assign it to James Tinian, right? Right. So I'm surprised that Tinian, who does do uh, creator-owned stuff and independent stuff elsewhere, that he would do this at DC, unless with what you mentioned. That there's going to be a great 12-ish, uh, 12 episode miniseries of a TV show. That part of his deal to do this was that it was going to get made to a HBO Max, thing. HBO Max, Warner Brothers, whatever series. I would not doubt that. And I was discussing this at the shop, somebody like earlier, like when they were doing vertigo stuff and they're like, when people were pitching creator owned stuff, they're like, we don't want anything that has like a lot of special effects. Because, you know, that costs us money. We want, like, that's why the kitchen, the movie got made and the, and the, and the comic, because it was just a gangster movie in the 70s, whatever. They can afford that stuff. This is going to be a bottle, like, other than a few, like, bar sets or wherever you meet the person, it's all going to be set in the house with a few special effects of the world burning. That just seems right up Warner Brothers Alley right now. If you, I don't know, if, like, if you get what I'm trying to say, so. I do, I do. Mm-hmm. But I look forward to the HBO Max series. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and again, I feel so bad that we've just been saying our lead character, um, Ryan, is her name. Right. I actually have, I because I did notes, I have a list of all the characters and their code names. Like the yes. hated X-Men that they are. Um, that was a nice little nod, but yeah, it's like the reporter, the pianist, the, the comedian, you know, so I have all those and, and their actual names. This is way more I've done than on any other book in the history of the show. Joe. And another thing, and I, I have the book here in front of me. So as I'm thumbing through it, of course, um, you know, I see as we get the email right from Walter 
Mm-hmm. Um, and we see like the email and here's the attachments and it's set up as though it's Ryan's inbox. But in what we see in the book, Walter's email is blurred out. Right. I'm um, wondering. Right. Okay. I got you. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Like we see it's at, it's Walter at something.org and we don't get to see what that dot org is. Right. Right. But it's not in the, it's in the second email. It is in the second email, though. So that's interesting as well, that they give it in one and not the other. Mm-hmm. Um, was that like a conscious decision to do that, right? Right, right. Um, and I did go that part where it's essentially like Twitter, but not Twitter. Right. I did go look up most of those handles to see if they exist, and they don't. Right. Um. You know, then we get a bit, of course, where Walter shows up and one of the characters kind of makes a swipe at him with a uh, the the poker for the chimney, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get to see at this point where maybe Walter is a little otherworldly, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So obviously what we're going to see, as you mentioned, Todd, is in the fur- future issues... We're going to see how Walter met all of these other characters, but I think also we're going to learn what Walter's motivations are and how Walter exists and that sort of thing. Right, what his people are, maybe, you know what I mean? Yes, yes, that's what I mean. I do think we'll learn a little bit, but I do think we'll get a whole issue dedicated to Walter, you know? Mm -hmm. But that's why you buy the A covers, Joe, because of the clues on the cover. (laughs) I did buy the A cover on this one. And that's why I'm glad you did, because you'll be on the ground floor. The rookie appearance of Walter. Yeah, I was going to do the whole Pepe Silva, (laughs) it's always sunny (laughs) meme, you know? Well, when you showed me your notes for this one, I'm like, oh, this is very Pepe Mm Silva-esque. So we could wrap that up there and get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday... Around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Um, Whether you get your books in trade, whether you get them in print, whether you get them digitally, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am still in the lead with one correct guess over Todd. Let's see what we could do on the board this week. Okay, I'm looking over your list. You have a lot going on. More books than me. Um, Is the book you're looking forward to most? The Six Sidekicks of Trigger Keaton, number one? Uh, Yes, that is the book I am most looking forward to coming out this week. And I also think that is the book you are also most looking forward to coming out this week as well. You are correct, sir. sir. No movement then. No movement, right. Uh, This is the new book from Kyle Starks, uh, writer of Assassin Nation, and uh, more importantly, I think something that was very beloved by the both of us, which was Rock Candy Mountain from a couple years back. That will get me a try on anything he ever does from here on out. Yes. And I couldn't tell you what this book was about. I just saw that it was a new Kyle Starks book, and I'm buying it. I think it's about the six sidekicks of Trigger Keaton. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't know. The, the I don't know either. The title does kind of give away what it's about, but further than what the title of the book is. Just, and, uh, you know, I don't know. that. I'd say that's, um, you know, uh, for Kyle to be in the same kind of 
rarefied air, at least for me, of a Jason Aaron or a Ed Brubaker type uh, getting up there to be a Donnie Cates and an Al Ewing type. Uh, you know, that's I'd say that's lofty praise enough. It's an image book, so definitely go check this one out. Right. So while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out the other stuff that Todd and I have done in the past. Whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, or the current ongoing sensation, Todd and Joe Have Issues, uh, Web Shooters versus Six Shooters, what is it? Six shooters versus web shooters. You don't have to do it now. It's six months in. I like just tweaking you. Okay. I did it now, though. Right. So it's a thing. It's a thing. Uh, so as, uh, you know, we have to keep it true to this. Um, technically, I would just, you know, breeze through Jonah Hex. But you started the show, so I'll let you get, I'll let you rip that Band-Aid off of oh. Spectacular Spider-Man number 25. Oh, I think it's a seeping wound more than a than a band-aid um so yes the book starts out with uh basically these oh, someone murdering a homeless person by burning them alive um so just quickly after that it uh goes to uh peter parker our beloved peter parker uh going to the grave of harry osborne i believe right yes, yes. harry Os and norman to tell you the truth they're both there um and he's looking over the grave because he's like oh like i recently ran into a green goblin and i was coming here to see if it was you because you were you know the closest my greatest friend and my greatest enemy at the same time and i didn't know if there'd be like a an open grave but hey you don't know and then he goes into his soliloquy of everything that's happened up to this point in the clone saga which i'm not even gonna go over because what he doesn't get mj gets later like there's so much going on so cut to uh what's his name jackal He's going crazy um, because he's getting ready to destroy the world with his carrion virus or whatever. But he needs to figure out what's going on with uh, the Green Goblin himself. So he's going to go out into the world and look into this instead of watching the new Star Trek Next Generation TV show, Joe. I like that. So didn't know Jackal was a Trekkie, by the way. Uh, so Contemporary. Uh, con very, very contemporary. Mm -hmm. And I would be remiss not to mention there's a there's a panel here, of course, and it's always so distressing the way that they shoot. You know, we talked before about how Moritat gets cheeky with the word balloons mm -hmm. in Invincible uh, Red Sonia, where everyone has to be not so cheeky to show us how cheeky the jackal is. Right. Oh, OK. Uh, but I would be remiss not to point out this particular panel from this issue, Todd. Right, right. Uh, gotcha. So uh, Jackal laments about the new Green Goblin, of course. Uh, he makes a remark about how ugly the Scarlet Spider costume is. Um, he talks about the Gwen and Miles Warren clones uh, that he had left elsewhere. And then he says Norman Osborn was the original bat-gliding goofball. And then his darling son Harry took up the family lunacy. Is someone creating clones behind my back? Do Whoa. I have a secret competitor? A valiant dark horse who is <laughs> intent on ruining my image? <laughs> oh, Scryer, perhaps, though. And then, he, and then he mentioned Scryer, perhaps, Todd, for some reason. <laughs> right. Was there a comic book company in 1996 called Scryer that I forgot about? No, no. Uh, but I think there was one called Perhaps. 
So, but uh, I yeah. will say, I will say though that panel was the peak of this issue. Right. I don't know. There's no. I think there's one more peak where I lose my mind. But anyway, um, so then we're uh, cut to the Daily Bugle with El, the reporter Ellis and his nephew. Who I remember a nephew talking about his uncle in that Green Goblin issue. So oh, in the it. first appearance of the Green Goblin. Yeah, the green meat uh, baby face Green Goblin. Right. So uh, then we cut to MJ. She's working on uh, Peter's new Spider-Man costume because the old one was destroyed. He's running around in the Spider-Clone outfit. And we're seeing her in inner dialogue with cursive, which I hated in this because I found it tough to read. Um, I can read cursive, though. I don't I want anybody to think that I can't, but it's very jarring and just hard, tough the way it's the way it's printed. And she's going off, and she's ending up giving us the other half of what Peter didn't get in his soliloquy of all the fun stuff that's going on. And she's like, don't you stay with me. And he's like, Ben's in rotting in prison. I have to do this, and blah, blah, blah. And then they end up seeing a report on the murders of uh, the homeless people. So Peter's like, gots to do it. So off he goes. Um, same time that Jackal's, you know, putting on his jacket, they're all putting on their clothes to go get, you know, the, the, this murderer. Then the Green Goblin's putting on his clothes too, Joe. It all rhymes. Lots of them. So he goes out and just happens to run into Peter Parker in the Spider-Man costume. They throw down. Peter's trying to figure out who he is. But by a lot of the dialogue, Joe, I think anyone could see that it's neither Norman or Harry because it's ludicrous, just uh, just crappy dialogue that has no... <laughs> like, it's just, it's bad. It's like, I'm, I don't even want to go into any of it, but I'm like, this is nothing Norman, especially Norman would say, or, or Harry. But, uh, so they end up running into, while they're fighting, uh, someone, the one who is doing the murders, the legendary villain, uh, Fire Fist is showing up to incinerate the trash, Joe. So Green Goblin's like, oh, I'm trying to prove to you I'm a good guy. They end up trying to save, you know, this guy and beat Fire Fist. Uh, great, great, great villain. Um, while that's going on, MJ, this is the, my favorite part of the book, actually, is MJ going to see Ben Riley because she has nothing to bounce anything off of, and he's in prison. And she's like, "Well, what should I do? Your friend told me about the baby, and like it could be terrible." And he's like, "I know there's options." And they're like, they're dancing around it. And the one thing I like is like Ben, like I am an abomination of science, so you're not going to find anybody who's more pro-life than me. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, that. That's interesting. That's a weird thing that I would never thought that I would see in this whole Spider-Clone saga, this discussion. But like I said, they, they kind of do it, and she has to make her own decision. Um, so I don't even know what Fire Fist's intentions are at this point, because he, he's saying, like, thousands of our boys, my brave brothers in arms, lose their lives in defense of this noble nation. Such heroic sacrifice can't be in vain. This land needs to be purified of the filth and sloths so the true social order will be restored and must be stopped from infestering permanently. And I'm like, I don't even know. But Well, even I was going to say, it's very clear. I think it's very clear what Fire Fist's um, no. motivations are. And right. I think he probably could have used a return maybe as a villain, maybe within the last four to five years. Right. But, and he has come back many, many times, right? 
No, this is his only appearance. Oh, this is Wild Whip 2, Electric Boogaloo? Yes. Okay. So, uh, uh, Kane, I'm going to say Kane. Jackal is watching all of this. And from the crappy dialogue, as I said before, he's like, that ain't Norman. He's like, so I have nothing to worry about here. So, uh, uh, also, Robbie Robertson and J. Jonah Jameson are discussing why, you know, like, you can't keep not, uh, what are you saying, reporting on the Peter Parker trial. Like, we, you can't sit on the fence anymore. You have to do it. I have a feeling that's going to come into play uh, in a little bit. In the end, sort of Green Goblin and Spider-Man end up beating Fire Fist kind of together. And then, you know, if we had ended the issue on this point, I would have been okay. It was a bad issue. Don't like Green Goblin's dialogue. Don't like a lot. But I well, could have... Walked... Right. Before you get there, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, Spidey and Green Goblin team up to take down Fire Fist. Uh, Green Goblin flies away, uh, questioning himself, barely survived against a second-rate stooge. And I think that's really overselling Fire Fist, saying that he's second-rate and a stooge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably convince Spider-Man that I'm really a menace. Uh, yeah, like, I'm a real primo hero. Maybe I should just lose the gig, although my luck couldn't possibly get any worse, could it? Though that's an omen for you. Um, <laughs> and then on the next page, the last panels, as Spidey swings off, things can't possibly be as bad as they seem. Can they? Yes, they can, because in the last page... Uh, basically the jackal's there and in walks yet another Peter Parker. Whether or not this is somebody that we've seen before or what, I don't know, but yet another clone. Maybe it's the clone who's making the Green Goblins, a la Image, Valiant, or whoever. Uh, but he's like, come here, I've been expecting you, uh, dear boy. And they they literally end with, woo baby, which I think is a Joe quote, which is where you got this from. <laughs> another Peter Parker one we've seen before. You'll just have to wait until next issue to find out. And I'm like, Oh, can I not find out ever? Can we stop this now? So I'm almost certain that this one is the third Parker clone who was reduced to a pile of goo. Uh, and then picked up by Scryer and returned now back to Jackal, I guess better than ever. Mm -hmm. And I definitely think that, the Jackal in the next couple issues is going to give him uh, a new name. Right. A much so, worse name. What? Is it any worse than Pod Peter or Freak Face? Uh, yes. Yes, it is. So you would prefer Pod Peter? Yes. All right. Send me the check, Marvel. It's Pod Peter from here on out. Um, but this issue stunk. Mm-hmm. Um, the Green Goblin stuff is forced. It was them trying to spin off the new Green Goblin series that ends up running 13 issues. Um, Fire Fist, again, a a nothing villain that never appears ever again. And the fact that in the middle of their goofy, over-the-top, convoluted Spider-Clone story, they decide to throw an allegory and discussion of abortion. Yes, yes. But at least this is, you know, after the 13 issues of Green Goblin, that'll be the end of him. We won't see him ever again, so. Um, I think he should, look, okay, so he gets his 13 issues, but then I don't think he shows up again much after that. I think there's maybe like one or two mm-hmm. uh, appearances as I type his shoot name in, brother. Right. Brother, brother, the first thing that it pre-fills it in with is death. 
Oh boy. Um, but would I mean this or any other Green Goblin? Because death is death in the Marvel Universe, Joe. Oh sure, sure. Um, so there's those issues. Um, he. Uh, I think he makes it to like Spider-Man, like Amazing Spider-Man six fifty. Oh, good. Yeah, he kicks around a little bit longer than I thought he woulda. Right, right. Six fifty. Uh, yeah. Was it seven hundred? The the Spider-Man. Yeah. Wow. Like I said, he kicked around a little bit longer than I thought he would. You know. I was hoping he'd kick rocks. Is what he'd do, Joe. Um, yeah, and, and there's other peri- there's other appearances of him that happen after that, but those are only flashbacks or discussions of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in around those 650s, uh, he gets killed. Okay. I know you're upset by that. I, I was. I was definitely upset. All right, so Jonah Hex, number 31. Uh, <laughs> Jonah Hex shoots a bunch of people at the end. No, no, no. There's a little bit more here uh, to this. So we start off, of course, with a sheriff who's definitely not going to uh, attempt to screw Jonah when everything's said and done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he has employed Jonah uh, to hunt down the Red Mask. Uh, the Red Mask who has been robbing from this town blind. And uh, their plan is, since the Red Mask has stolen so much gold and they've sent out dozens of men to to get him, they decided to call in a real bounty hunter in Jonah Hex. And Jonah's reward is going to be whatever he could find of whatever the Red Mask has stolen. Right, because it's already lost to them, Joe. Yes. So while the mayor of this town is giving this speech, letting the congregation of his town know what's going on inside of a church, the town drunk Cletus Hambone comes in. <laughs> Love a good and name. Not unlike keeping a running tally of all the one-off loser Mort villains we're going to see throughout the course of the Spider Clone Saga. I really want to keep a running tally of all the goofy names of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Jonah Hex stories, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jonah essentially says, like, listen, I know what to do um, in regards to this. He's out in the canyons, a lot of places to hide. Um, you know, there's a very good chance he could be one of the Apache that are out there. Uh, but there's no use in sending more men out. I'm just going to go out. Anyone else comes out with me, it's essentially going to slow me down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as Jonah goes out there, he we get to see a grisly battle between him and some of the very same Apache that he warned that he warned the town folk about, um, and he guns them all down except for one, which is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we cut back to the town and we see town drunk Cletus Hambone sleeping <laughs> off his booze-induced coma uh, in the in the in the jail cell. Um, excuse me, not unlike Otis the Drunk from the Andy Griffith show. And this is where the sheriff says says to the town drunk, it's like, yeah, well, don't matter what Jonah does. Um, he's going to get the masked man, um, but he's not going to find the gold because he ain't going to come back. If he comes back, we're just going to shoot him and say that red mask got him, essentially, right? Right. 
Um, and again, yet another instance of a sheriff attempting to get the drop on Jonah, right? Mm-hmm. So now Jonah, back at the canyons, comes upon a man uh, around a fire. Jonah thinks that he gets the drop on him, but it's actually a bunch of rocks dressed up to look like a man. And in the least surprising twist in this story, the red mask appears, and little do you know, the red mask is town drunk Cletus Hambone. What? I Uh, never saw it coming. who's Who's putting on an act... But it's one of those things where, so just as a pause for the cause, uh, the sheriff's going over the thing, talking about Red Mask, Cletus Hambone shows up, and I'm like, okay, he's the Red Mask, but Mm -hmm. how do we get there? And how does Jonah end up shooting him, right? Right. These are the more important bits of the story. (laughs) Right. Uh, So like I said, Jonah gets the, uh, Cletus Red Mask gets the drop on Jonah, uh, he dresses Jonah up in the red mask and essentially just says, like, hey, won't it be great when, like, I bring you in as the red mask? Um, and, you know, um, what was it? Uh, right, so he's going to frame him. He's not going to bring him in. He had all the gold hidden there, tells Jonah where all the gold is hidden, but dresses Jonah up in the red mask thing and says he's just going to shoot him. And then it doesn't matter because everyone in the town thinks he's a uh, uh, a defenseless drunkard anyway. Mm-hmm. However, little did Cletus know as Jonah, uh, as he got the drop, Cletus got the drop on Jonah. Jonah was prepared because when Cletus took Jonah's gun from him, Jonah's gun was not loaded. Right. Uh, so it's the old, uh, uh, what is it, Ottawa betrayal here with the screw job. Mm-hmm. Because that last Apache that Jonah did not shoot um, made a deal with Jonah uh, because he had stooged off to him that there were men sent by the sheriff that were tracking Jonah that essentially were just going to follow him as if Jonah did come upon the red mask, that they were just going to take Jonah down. Right. Well, now that that's stooged off to him by the Apache, Jonah is able to take out those three guys that are following him and allowing him to know that the Red Mask would be after him. So now Jonah is going to bring the Red Mask back into town to let everyone know there that they had been uh, led astray by uh, Cletus Hambone, that he really was robbing them blind underneath their uh, uh, underneath their noses. Right. And uh, as Jonah is leading him into the town, uh, Cletus says, you idiot, they won't hang me. I'll tell them you set me up as a patsy and that you've been robbing them all along. I'm the town drunk, a harmless fool. You, on the other hand, are a cold-blooded killer. You'll be lucky if they don't shoot you on the way into town, to which Jonah just shoots him the end. Right. Um, Actually, I think you kind of have that messed up. Oh. Okay, because he... Uh, oh, maybe he did shoot. I, I kind of got the, the thing that, uh, I'm looking at the, I'm looking at the last, the last page, the four panels Mm -hmm. are, you know, Jonah's like, uh, it'd be an ever even better day for a hanging. We get the shot of him being trailed behind. We get the shot of Jonah's wonky eye. And then the last page is, you know, Cletus with a bullet between his, between his eyes. You're 100% right. I was misremembering something. I thought, 
that he was telling him that uh, that the the people would shoot Cletus coming into town. I I had it backwards. You're right. You're right. You're right. But I do want to say, like you said, the Ottawa betrayal. Um, Jonah didn't screw Cletus. Cletus screwed Cletus. Oh my goodness. So you know. But so I really like this issue. Um, I think this was the first time that we had the artist here, uh, Paolo Segura. Yep. I really liked his art. Not so much that it fits Jonah, but I think it fit this story. Right. Uh, a lot of it was almost very Adam Hughes-esque. There, yeah, I, you could describe it that way because it's very different than what we've had on the book so far. Yeah, and it's I a think a lot of it was just because maybe Red Mask was supposed to be like echo some sort of superhero-y stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot of the same color tones that we see in a lot of the Jonah stuff. Um, a lot of your oranges and yellows and browns and grays and stuff like that. But for some reason, the way that this was colored was more vibrant than the usual oranges and yellows and browns and grays that we typically get. Um, I'm not sure if this is the same colorist, uh, Rob Schwager, that we've had on some of the other issues. But uh, I think the, the combination of this art team, like I said, fit this story. I'm not sure how it would fit all the Jonah stories going forward. I'm with you. I would say this art this art has a softer edge to it than a lot of the other stuff. So yes, I agree. But anyway, glad you enjoyed it. Another another stellar, really convoluted issue of Jonah X. Yeah. Uh so next week, uh, of course, we have Jonah Hex number 32. But Todd, we have two issues of Spider-Man to read next week. Well, you know what I do with two issues of the Clone Saga. Oh, no. Uh, It's Web of Spider-Man 126 and Amazing Spider-Man 403. Oh, good. I was worried. It's a J.M. DeMattis issue. All right. It's uh, the beginning of the trial of Peter Parker. Mm, I I can hardly wait, Joe. At least J.M. will take the edge off a little bit, but I'll still want to, you know. For sure. I'll, I'll want to have the red masks fate before I read it anyway. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. Come on. Mm, okay. Uh, so uh, again, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out our store, little button there in the banner where like everything is kind of laid out for you. Uh, you know, the Todd's art attack after dark, so on and so forth. Store is there. You can get shirts and pins and stickers. With our fancy logo on them, they're sitting here in the office. Ship them right out to you. No fuss, no muss. Or if you want even more things, uh, cell phone covers, notepads, face masks, all that sort of thing, with even more designs inspired by Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, at odds with wrestling, final wrestling place, you can head over to our T Public store. Shortcut to that is tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Uh, this Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, my apologies, this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, 35% off everything at the store. So, you know, definitely check that out if you can. Uh, also, you can sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows from Todd and myself. One, Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's issue of previews. We just recorded... Uh, June 1991, which is the solicitation for the Jim Lee, Chris Claremont 
X-Men number one, the biggest selling comic book of all time still to this day. So I'm sure there's a lot of big things to discuss there. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, six never seen movies before. I assigned Todd six movies he's never seen. He assigns me six movies I've never seen. Rinse, repeat, discuss. Uh, this month we'll be discussing Todd's pick, which was the 1977 film Damnation Alley. At the $5 and up level, you get those two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else. They're kind of evergreen shows for the months in which they take place. And you also get After Dark like three days before everyone else. So that's a, a bonus there. Uh, you could also help us out by going to our Amazon affiliate link which is at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Does not cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, somebody purchased the World Wrestling Entertainment Ultimate Edition Ric Flair and Stone Cold Steve Austin action figures. Right. Uh, somebody also purchased the deluxe hardcover volume one of Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips criminal. I think I know who that was. And we may have had dinner with him last night. Now my money was on. He also purchased the B bald heel post shave healing balm immediately calms and soothes damaged skin treats, bumps, redness, razor burn, and other shaving related irritations. Mm hmm. Uh, he might have purchased that. He also might have also purchased the four-pack of sh- shower puff bath sponges. Ooh, loofahs, baby. Uh-huh. Uh, we also had somebody purchasing the uh, snack pack uh, pudding cups and Mott's applesauce packets as well. Uh, somebody also purchased birthday party supplies uh, based on the... Uh, PBS uh, kids show Wild Kratz. You know no. what Wild Kratz is? No, I have never heard of the Wild Kratz. It's uh, two brothers that like do zoological things, not unlike the crocodile hunter did back in his day. Mm-hmm. But they do like a little animated element with it as well. My kid used to watch it when he was younger. Stay away from the manta rays. That's what I say. Uh, and lastly, uh, somebody also purchased... An Efferlife sword holder, wall mount, samurai sword, katana, wakiji display holder stand, bracket hanger, one tier, uh, you know, something so they could display their swords on the wall, Todd. Well, you gotta head self-defense, you know? Somebody walks through that door, you know? I keep, so- uh, listen, I keep them in the umbrella bucket next to the door when you come right in. Do you know the only thing that stops a bad man with a samurai sword is a good man with a samurai sword, Joe? Oh, my goodness. Uh, Well, thank you, everyone, uh, who made a purchase uh, this week, last week, last month, whenever, uh, through that Amazon affiliate link. Every little bit helps. Uh, Like I said, I'm not going to say it keeps the lights on or pays for bandwidth or whatever it is. Plain and simple. It's a thing that, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit of compensation for the show. Uh, that we do here, that we would be doing for the love of the show, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We had one from Bloop Bloop Bridge. Um, he said, uh, refresh, because he sent something in before. He said he backed Elsa Cartier's Volume 2 
because he had uh, he was able to add to volume one, which shipped later, current board available for scale, and he knows his audience. So he put the book down, and then two of the pinups that were inside were, I believe this one could be for both of us, but, you know, maybe more for you, the uh, Big Barda. And then the second one was uh, Jonah Hex, which I think maybe leaned geared a little towards more towards me, but you're coming around reading the clone saga versus Jonah Hex. So. Oh yeah. Well, listen, I was uh, on board when I read all-star Western, you know, this is just more of the same of the thing that uh, I enjoyed that much, you know, there you go. There you go. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so thanks everyone. Uh, you know, like I said, like uh, David did with any of the stuff that he got from a sketchbook or, art book that he got if you get something commissioned uh if you're going to a convention in the near future as a uh, convention season appears to be on us and you get something done at a convention absolutely if you are yourself are a burgeoning artist be sure to share it with us tag todd's art attack on that and we'll be sure to share your uh handiwork or your purchases or your acquisitions with the uh rest of the uh listenership yes and uh, Todd, I guess uh, we're going to get into some TV talk, eh? Yes, we are. Okay. So if you did not watch the latest episode of Legends of Tomorrow, uh, which aired this past Sunday, uh, haven't watched it, don't want to watch it, don't care about watching it, anything like that, we bid you adieu. Uh, let's get into that if we could. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the episode's title is The Satanist's Apprentice. Um, our A story primarily is around Astra, um, who previously ruled in hell and is now attempting to get used to regular life with little to no power. And of course, the pull is too strong as, uh, John, of course, has Alistair Crowley trapped in a painting in his attic. And, uh, he, of course, dupes her into freeing him. Uh, most of the rest of the legends get turned into household items. Then they, along with Astra, get turned into cartoon characters. Disney princesses, to be exact, not unlike Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> um, and then they all take down Aleister Crowley. And there's a B-plot going on with Sarah, which, you know, I didn't really, you know, care too much for. Now, I had to double check, because... Um, Obviously, the the guy Bishop, who was kid, who had kidnapped her, and was doing all of the experiments to get all the different uh, DNAs of all the different races, and the reason he targeted Sarah was because she was the unkillable Sarah Lance, right? Right. Um, now that being said, I at first thought that the actor who was playing Bishop, uh, not unlike how he had a um ava with him who was wearing a wig what no wearing a wig i thought that maybe bishop was the actor who plays gary just with like a man bun but it was not i, I thought so too and had to look it up yeah because he had that panache that gary uh -huh. has i wonder if we're gonna if we're getting if we're getting worked joe no it, it's definitely a different actor okay I really loved this episode. Yes. Like, for the... This was a blast. It was so much fun. Um, Astra is a very acerbic character. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that she got to show so much vulnerability in this episode, I think it really made the episode and it made her 
a much more endearing character. I love the bit where she's trying to get a job and they're like, well, you were a 15 year old. Well, I was raised in another realm that, you know, time worked differently. <laughs> Cause you have to forget that she was a kid. I was like, this is fantastic. Like all around. Then there was the bit where they're telling a bit of, uh, uh, John's origin and they use all the artwork from the old comics from Steve Dillon to like all, like all of them. I, I popped so hard, Joe. I was like, I hope all of them, all of these characters, all these like, you know, Sean Phillips, any of them, they all got big checks for, for having one panel of comics in this TV show. I, I would love to see that. So I love that. And I would also like to own the prop John Constantine painting that when he trades places with Aleister Crowley, that he's in the painting. I would love to have one of those on my wall next to, if I could ever get it, a Cave Johnson painting too. Uh, one person's going to know. But uh, yeah, so I, I do want a, uh, uh, a John Constantine painting. Uh, but Leave yeah, it. like I said, I thought this was a great episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, top to bottom, uh, like I said, I, I may not have cared as much for the Sarah stuff, which is odd, because as I look at the uh, IMDb on this episode, of course, the actress who plays Sarah, uh, Katie Lotes, was the director of this episode. Right. Well, she couldn't be in a lot of the scenes because she had a direct. She's probably new to it and doesn't know how to direct, you know, and be in the scene at the same time. Right. But I will admit, seeing Steel turn into a steel wheel of cheese was one of the greatest things I've ever seen in TV history. Right. So as Aster was being taught the magic by Aleister Crowley, mm -hmm. and as I talked before when we were talking about Jonah Hex, where it's like, okay, uh, the drunk shows up, it's very clear he's the red mask, how are we getting to the end of our story, right? Mm -hmm. So Astra lets Crowley out, and she's like, I'm not going to give you too much power, because I know if you get too much power, you're going to just turn on me. And I'm like, oh, okay, they addressed it. And then he did it. And I'm like, right. oh, you got me. Oh, I never thought he'd betray her, Joe. <laughs> not in a million years did I think the evil magician Allison Crowley <laughs> would ever betray someone. But he just, like, he's teaching her little spells. And then as she, well, I forget what the word that she is that's, you know, the 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 the, the transformation spell, right? Right. Prosciutto, but anyway, I don't know. Right. So as she starts turning the legends and we start to see that the legends are different household objects and stuff, like Ava's a binder and Spooner is a fork, which is a nice rib, and Steel is the wheel of cheese. And I'm like, they're gonna do a Beauty and the Beast gag? And then I see um uh uh uh, Tarazi Barad, I see him turn into the candlestick, and I'm like, they're gonna do a Beauty of the Beast thing. What's going on here? Mm -hmm. And then they did it, and it was great. Oh, there was like the music, and it that was actually fantastic. And I love the fact that like Spooner didn't know why she was a fork. <laughs> She's like, why was I a fork? And I'm like, okay, just like I like I got the joke like you did, but when like uh, Ava was the binder and she was flying at them, she was shooting three ring uh, pieces of paper out at at Crowley and was saying pew 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 pew. I was 
I was dying. And then literally when steel turned into steel cheese, I was like, this is ridiculous. And I loved it. And I have to give Matt Ryan, the, uh, the, uh, the actor who plays John Constantine, his crowd, like he, like, cause I've seen him do a couple of things where he does like the American Texan voice or whatever. I, I, I like him the way I like Wells over on flash. I think he, he, he's starting to become like a, like, you know, a tier two Wells on legends of tomorrow. No. Yes. Maybe. No, I thought he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really getting a chance to like, kind of spread his acting chops. Right. Um, and it was strange because like, he's, if you look at the actual credits at, as they roll, he is listed as like a featured player, not like as an actual star, you know? Right. Right. But in the plot of it now, he doesn't have any powers, Joe. Right. So that's the other thing. So the way that they end up stopping Crowley inside John's body is one of the books that John had up in his attic was a book that Astra's mother had written which was a song that had to fit into the whole thing of her being turned into a Disney princess, because, of course, she could sing. And the song was to be used against John if he ever got too powerful. Well, they use it against Crowley because he has gotten too powerful, but it also, in turn, is used on John because he was the vessel for Crowley during this. So John has to start from square one. And I love that bit in the show. It's like Astor was trying to get power... John is warning her that if you reach for this power too much, you know, it be, it's a slippery slope. And now they're both on the same footing and they both now have to learn magic together. Right. Uh, like I said, all in all, this was one of my favorite episodes this season so far. And, you know, definitely a top contender for one of my favorite episodes of the show. Right. I do think nothing's for a, se- a segment. The the uh, Beauty and the Beast stuff is great, but I think straight on for my favorite just segment of anything out of the history of Legends of Tomorrow has to be Puppets of Tomorrow, and that needs to come back. Yeah. So uh, we'll, maybe we'll get it as a uh, season-end cliffhanger sort of thing, right? <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. Now, we have some other discussing to do here, right? As we've had so much fun and... Uh, lightheartedness and talking about Legends of Tomorrow, uh, we are faced with some hard choices because as we record, the Flash is on, and then as we are done recording, Loki is going to be on Disney Plus. Right. That puts us at three shows to be talking about for the next several weeks. I think that might be one too many, Joe. Okay. So Loki's gone. <sighs> Well, Loki doesn't even get a chance, I guess. No. Okay, then Legends. Maybe Legends got to go? Well, sadly, I think the time for The Flash at least being discussed on the show is done. Okay. Six six and a half seasons? That's the the run? Six and a half seasons and no movie. Right. The Flash, sadly, this, this season just wasn't clicking for me, dog. But now the who knows, Joe, maybe with the four stories being over, it may like blow up and be the greatest season since season one. You know what? And it could be because I'll still be watching it, but it won't be the top priority that I have to watch for the show. I get you. I'm with you. So, you know, as we look at the rest of the schedule, of course, 
Um, you know, as we updated it, you know, Loki starts as you're listening to this, probably. Uh, Stargirl starts up in August. Mm-hmm. And Why the Last Man starts up in September. Right. But I do think, well, obviously, Loki, I, we don't know how many episodes that is, right? Um, do we know how many episodes Loki is? Right. And I have a few IMDb. It's six episodes. All right. So that'll definitely be done probably by the time we get to Stargirl. So we don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I, I have a feeling, uh, Legends of Tomorrow is going to have a whole, like a, a, I think they're going to be like 13 episodes tops. Um, so... It says here that next week, uh, for sure, is the last episode. They do have, like, nothing has, like, dates next to it, right? Right. But after next week's episode, they do have entries for a bunch more episodes, actually. Three, four, five, six, seven eight nine more episodes wow. after what we've already gotten here that's way more than i thought it would be yeah and it's not like you know it's not like just a random thing it's like it looks like this season is 15 episodes okay well um, and it's we'll not be... like one of those ones where it's like episode like 6.5 or 6.8 like they like the 15 episodes all have episode titles right i get you so it's not like speculative they just don't have dates yet Right. So I think we should be, I think if at anything we'll cross over like once or twice with three episodes or something, you know, right. but with and the then, flash, we would have probably four at some point. Right. And then of course, after that, um, you know, we had requests privately and publicly for us to watch sweet tooth on Netflix. Now, did you ever read sweet tooth? I read, like, uh, what was the one, the Jason Aaron on the uh, Native American Reservation? Scalped, right? Scalped. Yeah. I read half of those because somebody was getting them in their comps. And then they stopped the comp service halfway through them. Gotcha. <laughs> so I never got to finish Sweet Tooth and or Scalped. Gotcha. Don't remember uh, anything from Sweet Tooth, though. Like, not a thing. Well, from what I gather, they um, are changing things just enough to make it its own unique thing, and they're just kind of using what the original story was as its framework. But I know that you and I definitely have a bone to pick regarding the casting of the show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, should have been a certain uh, skinny-jeaned friend of ours. Who big-times us when it comes to right. Well, listen, he's got important things to do. Right. But I could see if we, you know, maybe we'll revisit The Flash if, as Todd mentioned, we run into a spot where there's no new episodes of Legends tomorrow. Loki's dead. We got a two-week window there before, two, three-week window there before Stargirl starts back up. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're not coming back to Flash. Because in all this, where does Sandman appear? Are we doing Sandman? Well, I think Sandman's a given. But I don't know, do we have a date on Sandman? Well, I don't know. I think we're, but that's what I'm saying. I don't know. Like, I think we're going to be pretty good. And then don't forget, we're going to have movies coming back. So in here, we'll have uh, our review of Black Widow, probably. You know what I mean? We're going to have to be playing a lot by heart. But I think Flash might, I'd like to keep the door open, but I think the door might have locked behind us on Flash. Oh, boy. And he can't vibrate through it or anything? 
No, that's the Wally West one. Remember whenever he'd go through something, it'd explode, and it would blow yeah. up the show. We don't want that to happen. No. All right. Well, next week, you know, we'll be talking about the season premiere of Loki and the next episode of Legend of Tomorrow. And, you know, sadly, The Flash, we bid you adieu. Uh, you had a good run, pun intended. <laughs> But uh, you know, maybe we'll we'll like I said, maybe we'll revisit it another time. Right. I know you want to close the door, but I want to peek through the door and just like have a single tear roll down my cheek. You know. Oh, that would be a cinematic shot if I ever saw one. Absolutely. All right. So everyone, thank you very much for bearing with us, hanging in there for episode five fifty eight of Long Box Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini. (laughs) of Podcast Networks.